to the audio event of the century, featuring two lifelong best friends. We love the Leafs. We love each other. But most of all, we love William Nylander. Welcome to the Buds All Day. Hello and welcome to another happy edition of the Buds All Day Post Game Reaction Podcast. I'm Sats Mundine here with Lebda's Legacy. How's it going, everyone? And we are wrapping up yet another Leafs win. They're seventh in the last eight games. The boys are on fire, Lebda. The Leafs got their goals tonight from, uh, we thought William Nylander and Austin Matthews, but the NHL has since changed the first goal to Andre Kasha, a well-deserving goal. And uh, the Flames got their only goal from Oliver Shillington. Now, what did you think of tonight's tilt, Lebda? Yeah, I, I kind of felt like another just well-deserved win for the Leafs. Probably deserved a few more goals, to be honest. But, I mean, they got there in the end. And, I mean, you can't complain about that third period or overtime at all. So, made for, you know, an exciting Friday night of hockey. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, even if you look at it, like, backing up what I just said, 75% on the deserve to win a meter. And then in all situations, 62% expected goals, 54% of the high danger chances, and 55% of the total Corsi or the possession numbers, if you will. So again, like I said, it's one of those games where the Leafs definitely deserve to win. You know, maybe there's some instances where the the other team's goalie was hot. Maybe there were some instances where, you know, the Leafs maybe could do a bit, of, a bit better of a job at aiming their shots. But, I mean, they got the win, so it's hard to really complain too much about this one. Yeah, it seems like we have been the team of getting goalied all year long. And I think I think part of it's bad luck. Part of it's just, you know, a guy having a great night. And part of it is the Leafs shooting at the goalie at times. Like tonight there were a few, like Nylander created some excellent chances and then fired it right at the guy. So the process is there. I think they just got to work on their finishing a little bit and they'll be okay. But it just felt like another one of those classic Toronto Maple Leafs nights tonight. You know, they're clearly outplaying the opponent pretty much from end to end. I would say this was pretty close to a 60 minute effort and still they're getting, they're getting stonewalled just by this no name goalie. I, I, I messed up his name about 50 times during the, during the game. And I, I forget it right now. Left. I, I'm shooting a blank. That's how unknown this guy is. I think it was his third NHL game came in below 900 and yeah, just, just shut it down until, until he didn't, until William Nylander had that rocket of a shot and the tide kind of turned. And I got to say, it was really fitting at the time that Willie got that goal because he was on absolute fire all night. He was by far the best player on the ice. Yeah. I mean, he's just, again, continuing to just perform and perform and perform. I think he's still second in the NHL in um, total shots. And then I know during the game, I can't remember the specifics, but I'm sure it's on Twitter somewhere, but you look it up and he's, I think he's top 10 in just all kinds of like slot shots, inner slot shots, all kinds of statistics like that. Like William Nylander is getting to the dirty areas, proving all the old uncles from, you know, the middle of nowhere uh, wrong about his style of game. Cause clearly this guy gets to the front of the net and gets there a lot and, you know, is starting to really, really produce a lot. So, you know, we've, uh, we've definitely said it all along, but to see it actually, on paper and in front of you and on a, you know, a national broadcast like TSN, I think uh, a lot of people are going to have, you know, a really, really hard time criticizing William Nylander from here on out. Yeah. He's making it pretty near impossible to criticize him. He, 
He plays a pretty complete 200-foot game. He absolutely dominates in terms of expected goals every night. We've sung the praises of that line with Austin Matthews, how they're absolutely carrying the play at 5-on-5. He scored a number of power play goals, and coming into tonight, he had 7 goals in 14 games, so he's on a 41-goal pace, and he's only shooting 12.5%. There's no luck involved with this. You said it yourself. He's second in the league in shots. He's just He has not skipped a beat from that Montreal series, and... It is an absolute weapon for the Leafs going forward because if you can get that line to perform to the same level it was with Marner last year, like it's just this team is just going to be so so tough to beat. Absolutely, and look at what happened tonight. Like John Tavares towards or sorry towards the end of the game, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews all played together on a line, and then William Nylander gets put out there with Alex Kerfoot and I believe Andre Kosh. And Willie says, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't need all these superstars around me to, to make offense. I do it on my own. And they ended up scoring the only goal in regulation for the game. So, again, like, we saw it last year in the playoffs, too, where when John Tavares did go out, William Nylander and, and Alex Kerfoot could pick up the load a bit. And we saw it again tonight where Willie just doesn't need anyone to create offense. He just creates it on his, on his own. And, I mean, if Willie's going to continue to create that much offense, I mean, Austin Matthews definitely hasn't struggled so far this season like he's putting up pretty good numbers but i still don't think he's at 100 percent austin matthews um that we come to expect so willie creating that much offense and austin matthews there to you know one help him create offense but also you know kind of piggyback off all that offense that willie's creating like we see you know all the games the leafs have won and i just like it could just continue well and another guy that you mentioned in that that little spiel there was alex kerfoot and I got to say, he's played pretty well this year. Like this, I think he's up to uh, nine points in 15 games, which is a very respectable number. He he created that goal tonight by by taking the bad play by Shillington, making a beautiful pass for Willie to get that one-timer off. So we are kind of seeing a bit of the depth coming through lately too with, with Kasha, you know, getting his second goal in two nights. It's, it's kind of coming together for the Leafs right now. And obviously that's kind of what's going to happen when – you're winning seven of eight games, but I've been really impressed with the way we've played ever since that Chicago game. We're just seems like we're carrying the play most nights. Obviously we need to work on, you know, the way we start games, but today was another one where I actually thought they came out pretty good off the start. So I'm feeling really good with the way this team is looking. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we just spent the last little while talking about the top six and whatever, but another thing that's just given me so, so much confidence again is that Angval, Comp and Kasha line. Like at 96% expected goals this evening, like I know they're going up against like Milan Lucic on the other side as their matchup, but still like that's just absolutely absurd for a line to just dominate that much. And, you know, Kosh got the bounce at the end. He wasn't on that line, but... It's just another masterclass from that line. Yeah, they've been exceptional. And I saw a lot of criticism of of Engvall tonight. And I just <clears throat> I just didn't understand why, why people are like, what does Pierre Engvall do? And you said it yourself. He, he generates expected goals. Does he generate real goals? No. But again, when you're making $1 million, if you can just keep the puck out of your own end, that is so, so valuable. And I've just, I've been so happy with his game this year. I, I really don't see much to, to pick at. He doesn't, unless I was like looking away when he made a glaring error, I didn't see anything from Angball that really got me upset. And he actually led the team in expected goals tonight. So yeah, the depth, the depth of this team, I don't think the problems are, are as big as a lot of people have made them out to be. 
And it does take me into one question though, because we got a question from, uh, from our buddy Kumar on Twitter. And he said, do you think Spezza should have a rest day tomorrow? To me, he hasn't looked the same for the last few days, few games, and he could use a break. So what do you think, Lev? Are you given, uh, I, I know what your answer is, but what are you, what are you doing with Spezza? What do you think they should do? Yeah, we make it no secret that we are fully in favor of load managing, especially some of these older guys or anyone that might be slightly banged up or whatever. So anytime you can give Jason Spets a rest, I think you do it. Um, and look at, you know, uh, Semyonov last game. Like, I thought he had a pretty good game. He fit in decently well on that fourth line. So maybe it's time for Sheldon Keefe to start finding uh, a little bit more ice time for some of these bubble guys and, and getting guys, you know, who've been working in practice as long as they're working hard or working in the AHL, give them some shots so that they have a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel too. But yeah, like I said, we make it no, no secret or no surprise that we think these guys should be load managed. So I think anytime you can give Spets a rest, you, you, you do it. Yeah, especially on a back-to-back. I don't see any point in it. At least give one of him or Simmons the night off. But um, he he, he did make a good point in in his question, too. Like, he just looks – like, by terms of expected goals, Spezza has actually been playing really well ever since Richie joined that line. Uh, It just looks he's kind of lacking in a little bit of finishing from time to time. He just looks a little bit – doesn't look as crisp on the power play at times. So, yeah, I just – I don't see any harm in giving the guy a little break here and there. And, and same with Simmons. I know they're not playing many minutes, but still, they're, they are no spring chicken. So a little bit of time off would uh, would not do them bad. And and speaking of time off, it looks like Jack Campbell's going to get a little bit of time off tomorrow, and we get to see the debut of AHL stud Joseph Wall. How are you feeling about that? Fantastic. Can't wait. Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. At least we're playing Buffalo now. Buffalo just won tonight. So, you know, they're coming off a of back-to-back with a little bit of confidence too. But, yeah, I have less faith in, in Wall than I do in Hutchinson, and that's saying something. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But I got uh, I got a large feeling that the Leafs are going to have to score five or more goals in regulation to, uh, to get some points tomorrow. Yeah, I am um, – <clears throat> anything – Anything less than four goals in regulation for Buffalo would be a pleasant surprise for me. We said it on the last podcast. Wall has been sub 900 save percentage every year in his three years in the AHL. He was, you know, nine around 915 to 920 in college, but that's college. That's not not the caliber of NHL shooters, although I'm sure Buffalo is not too far of a step up from that. So it's kind of an extension of the AHL, even though they've, like you said, been surprisingly hot to start the year, but. It's definitely the right move by the Leafs, obviously, to give Jack the rest because he is proving to be one of our most important players this year. Like, arguably, like, I don't know how you would rank it in terms of of importance, but he might be in that top four for somebody because if Jack Campbell goes down at any point, that is probably a more devastating injury and a bigger loss than any skater on the team right now, as long as Mrazek's out. Well, yeah, we talked about it the other night where, you know, yeah, maybe this one game feels important and, it, and it, you know, all games do matter to an extent. But if you play Jack Campbell tomorrow night and he just pulls something because his muscles haven't recovered or he hasn't fully recovered from the night from playing a full game the night before, then you have to start uh, like Michael Hutchinson or, or Wall for, you know, an extended period without Mrazic and Campbell. So it's one of those things. You just have to suck it up for, for one game. Hope that he doesn't completely throw up a pumpkin. You hope that him being in his first NHL game really gets the adrenaline pumping and really gets him going. And 
maybe he comes out and makes a few huge saves and keeps us in the game or doesn't, you know, give up the five or six goals like we're predicting him to. But it's one of those things where it's not nice and it kind of sucks. But in a salary cap NHL, you just you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and just to just to kind of piggyback off of Campbell, like it is, it, it, he had another like he didn't have a ton of chances tonight. I thought the Leafs played a very solid defensive game, but you look at it, he had two point six expected goals. He only allowed one goal again tonight, and he he only like his save percentage has been exceptional. I think he moved up to nine nine thirty eight on the year tonight with that with that effort. So he has been on fire. And I just saw a Sportsnet stat as well through forty games as a Leaf, he has a. 27 8 and 4 record with a 215 goals against average and a 925 save percentage. Like, you cannot ask for more from this guy. So, yeah, keep this guy as fresh as you can because I want him to be healthy for the playoffs. Like, hopefully, Mirazic comes back soon. We can really give Campbell some rest. But boy, has it just been. It's, I've just, I can't remember the last time I felt this confident in a goalie. I never felt this confident in Freddie. No, and I never like really liked Freddie either. Like he always just seemed like kind of a dick. So it's <laughs> nice to have nice to have a guy like like Jack Campbell who you can really truly root for. And yeah, like you said, like I don't think there's been a Leafs goalie I've actually rooted for the way I root for Jack Campbell since like Ed Belfour. I mean, that's going back a good number of years. So it's great. Um he's, you know, doing what he can for the team, but I also think that, you know, we can't give hundred percent of the credit to Jack Campbell because I do think the Toronto Maple Leafs defense has been quite solid recently. Um, it's taken a little bit of a hit with Justin Hall in the lineup, but aside from a couple, you know, individual errors, I think this Leafs defense as a whole is really rounded into form and really changed kind of the maybe the narrative early on in the season, or at least got rid of some of the worries that some people had uh, um, at the beginning of the season with their bit of a slow start. Yeah, they've they've done a great job defensively after that poor start. Like you look at the league wide standings, they're fifty six percent expected goals, second in the league. So they're they're always generating the vast majority of the chances in every game. And to me, TJ Brody has really picked up his play since the start of the year. Muzzin has looked a lot better, although, like you said, with with Justin Hall kind of dragging him around, he's he's hovering around that below fifty percent in expected goals yet again. You know, when he was with Brody, he was usually pretty consistently second best pairing on the team, even though he's playing tough minutes. But it seems like every time he plays with Justin Hall that you can you look at the expected goals chart and you guarantee they're going to be at the bottom. I really would be interested in seeing Travis Dermott come back into the lineup, maybe give him a chance playing that right side that Hall is playing right now with Muzzin. See what he can do there. Like, you know, you got two two guys who can handle the puck pretty well. We know, we know Travis Dermott's got his really good gap control. Muzzin does a great job of, you know, handling the heavier guys in the zone. I think that could be a pairing that could definitely play at least as good as they are with Hall right now. Yeah. You could not convince me one bit that Travis Dermott is any worse than Justin Hall at this point. Justin, like Justin Hall just looks like a lost child out there. Just, I, I don't know. I, every time I look at him, I just see like a dude who's just like, he just, he, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to like roast him too, too much, but he just looks like a lost child. He looks like he's, you know, making the jump from like triple a hockey to the NHL and just is behind the play for, for everything. Gets the puck, makes stupid plays is in weird positions. Um, and I think a lot, you know, we're seeing a lot of those early struggles from, from Jake Muzzin kind of 
like answer themselves with how Justin Hall has been playing lately. And, you know, the Leafs sat him down for a couple games and gave him the warning and now they're giving him the chance back. And boy, has he not, uh, not earned his ice time in my opinion. So yeah, I, I really, really would love to see Travis Dermott. Like we talked about it a little bit in the off season. Like you have to give these guys, um, a chance and you have to see is Travis Dermott a top four NHL defenseman? Like the time to actually test that out is coming. So with Justin Hall struggling, why don't why don't you try it out now? I wonder if Kyle Dubas is maybe trying to protect his trade value on Justin Hall or something like that um, by playing him. But I mean, he's playing so poorly that it's probably tanking anyway. So yeah, I think it's time for uh, for old Justin Hall to go bye bye and give Travis Dermott like an actual extended run. Don't just put him in for one game and ex- and if he struggles even a little bit or doesn't do what you want him to do, take him right out. Like give him a good handful of games to try and really earn that spot and get comfortable there. Yeah. And like tomorrow, there's no reason for Travis Dermott not to get a chance on the second night of a back to back. Like there's, there is absolutely no reason not to put Travis Dermott in for, for one of the guys, whether that's like we said earlier, load managing or whether that's, yeah, pulling out Justin Hall because he simply isn't that good. It, It just makes a lot of sense. Now, Two guys who should never be pulled out of the lineup are Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sandin because, again, they were just dominant as a, as a third pair for the Leafs, leading us in expected goals at 67% together. Just early on in the game, you, you could see why Calgary, you know, has got off to such a hot start this year. They were, like, just vicious on the forecheck, so relentless, so aggressive. It kind of tired out a bit as the game went on, and the Leafs were able to really control the game more and more. But... The way that Sandine and Lilligren were just able to navigate the tough forechecking of Calgary was so impressive. Whether it was, you know, making patient D to D passes, waiting for that opening to finally come, or skating through the pressure. Like these guys are just they look like they, they look like five year veterans at this point. They're, they've been great. Yeah, it's very clear to me that Rasmus Sandin is going to be a very, very good NHL defenseman for a lot of years. Um, the books are, uh, yeah, it's probably a little bit too early on on Timothy Lilligren at this point. But man, has he fit so well into that. And he looks like a really nice complimentary piece for Rasmus Sandin. Now, I'm sure there is some fil- familiarity there, so that is good. But, I mean, all you want from this bottom pair of Leafs um, D-men, or I guess not all you want, but all you could dream of is exactly what they're doing. Like Rasmus Sandin can provide the offense. Timothy Lilligren looks like a really nice compliment to him on, on, on that side. And he clearly can move the puck and get it out of the zone and, and create some offense of his own too. So it's just a really, really nice, nice bottom pairing. And it, it kind of does reflect a little bit of what the Leafs had last year as well. So it's nice to see it from two like homegrown drafted Kyle Dubas guys. Well, one of them is a Kyle Dubas guy. Um, but yeah, they're both homegrown and drafted. So it's seen those guys come up through the lineup. And I know a lot of people were just like, get rid of Lilligren. He's not doing anything, but he's still young. And defensemen take a little bit more time typically. And now we're seeing what that patience can do. Like it, it does pay off and you have a nice cheap option on your bottom pair that looks like he can really handle a bit of a load for this team. Yeah, and I would say if the situation with Hall doesn't get any better, if Travis Dermott does get a chance there with Muzzin and doesn't seem to be playing up to that standard, I think you, the next guy you got to give a shot to is Tim Lilligren because we've seen Muzzin drag up poorer partners before, and the way that Lilligren's dominating third-pair minutes, I think a lot of that credit goes to Sandine, but we've seen Muzzin drag guys up before, so I wouldn't hate even seeing him get a chance there. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's the same thing with Travis Dermott. It's just Lily Ugrin's a couple years behind. Like, eventually you have to see what you truly have in these guys. And now there's no, you know, the Leafs have been this patient with him so far. So if he does, you know, get bumped up to that and he kind of struggles, then it does look a little bit silly. But, yeah, like you said, if Travis Dermott can't handle it, we we know what Justin Hall is at this point, And clearly he's not handling it this year. So you give these guys a shot and, and – Maybe you get lucky, maybe you don't, but at least you know for sure you have that really solid third pair. Absolutely. Now, with the way the game went, let's get into the one kind of breakdown the defense had. Because you and I kind of had a bit of a disagreement on this first Calgary goal at first, but it seems like we've come to terms a bit. So just to refresh everyone's memory, the the goal kind of started with a a rush from Calgary. It looked like a two-on-one. And in my opinion, Mitch Marner took the wrong route. He was about neck and neck with Alex Shillington, who was the second guy in. He was going to be the second guy on the two-on-one. And I thought that Marner kind of cut in towards towards the puck carrier a little too early when he didn't really have much of a chance to cut, to catch the puck carrier. And then TJ Brody overplays it a little bit, leaving Shillington wide open because Marner left his man and Shillington was able to bury it home. Now, Lebda... What did you see that you were able to uh, kind of convince me on your side a little bit too? Yeah, I think almost your take of things where that's Marner's basically fault or Marner's defensive coverage was like probably the most popular one. But the way I see it, and now one thing we have to remember is like these guys are skating very quickly. These decisions happen very quickly. So you basically have to make a decision in a split second and just hope that it's the right one and hope the other guy makes the right one too. Um, so basically you have it like where Mitch Marner's coming back. He gets there on the back check, but I think in Mitch Marner's mind, he's like, this guy's already like a little bit past me. He's going to blow, blow past me and I'm not going to be able to cover him in front of the net. So he probably takes a quick peek, sees TJ Brody standing right in the middle of the two flames players and goes, okay, my defenseman's there. He's covering. So I'm good. So I'll attack the puck carry so he can take the the pass. But at the same time that Marner does that little kind of crossover or move towards the puck carrier, TJ Brody does a big crossover the same way. And then Killington just, or Shillington or um, just like slides right through and goes open for a breakaway, makes a nice move and scores. But yeah, I I'm in the camp where it's much more TJ Brody's fault. He needs to at the very least, stay centrally or realize that, that Shillington's the guy that's going to come through the zone first, so he's the most dangerous threat at that point, even if the other guy has the puck. But, yeah, like I said, like it's one of those plays where it's happening at a split second and you have to make a decision. I personally think Mitch Marner made the right decision and TJ Brody was the one who should be at fault for there. But, I mean, you can see the you know the argument on both sides for sure. Yeah, at worst, or at best, I guess you could say it was a miscommunication. At worst, it was a a couple of mistakes. Now, to me, there were three breakdowns on this play. The first one was Morgan Riley goes deep to go for the offensive play, and and Alex Kerfoot goes to cover him. But then you can see as the play develops, Alex Kerfoot kind of sinks in too low. He's about in the slot. And this is something I've talked about that really has annoyed my dad all year that the Leafs haven't been covering the point man very well. And Kerfoot kind of leaves him, which is what creates this whole rush to begin with. If Kerfoot just stays back where a defenseman normally would, this whole play is avoided. But yeah, I think I think Marner and Brody just kind of saw the play a little bit differently. To, to my eye, it was just... I just didn't think Marner could catch the puck carrier, so he may as like he may as well have just done his best to dis- to distract Shillington. But you do make a good point that if Brody were to have played that 
two-on-one a different way. Maybe the puck carrier slows up and Marner is able to catch up and make it way harder for him. And then the guy's basically stuck firing a contested pass through TJ Brody when he's on his on his belly, which, he, you know, it's basically like the friggin' Berlin Wall at that point. So, you know, it's it's one breakdown on the night for the Leafs, and it was pretty much their only real one. Not a goal I'm going to blame Jack Campbell for at all, obviously, but it was really, really nice to see the Leafs able to bounce back from that with the aforementioned Alex Kerfoot setting up Willie for that absolute rocket to tie the game. I mean, we say it all the time, but Willie Nylander keeps scoring, so we're going to say it again. And, you know, there's nothing better than a William Nylander goal. And to tie it up uh, late, big goal, help the Leafs get to overtime. And then we did have quite an eventful overtime where Matthews got stoned on a breakaway. Mitch Marner got robbed right on a chance in the slot. Puck went the other way a couple times. Jack Campbell made a couple nice saves. And then finally, good old Austin Matthews comes down the wing, lets a shot go, and it just somehow slips right through old old Dan Vladder, Vladar, or however you want to pronounce it, and uh, got the winner for us. So it's it's nice. You know, I was a little bit frustrated with Matthews, like, oh, on the breakaway, like, classic leaf star thing to do get stoned on a breakaway in overtime but he made up for it with a with a pretty greasy goal not gonna lie yeah it wasn't uh it wasn't his finest snipe it was kind of the effort you would expect from dan vladar with just kind of letting that slip through the wickets but i gotta say like he he earned it with his with his earlier saves in the game so i was just happy to get the two points Leafs moved to nine five and one and we're rolling, baby. We are we are absolutely gone streaking, and I see no end in sight. I think we're going to beat Buffalo tomorrow, too. Now, I'm going to go uh, go into the stars of the game portion, and it's not because I'm being nice this time. It's more because I'm unprepared. You can go first, Lebda. Well, 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 well. This one is a little bit more difficult than uh, than I think it has been in the past. But with that being said, I'm going to go with fan favorite William Nylander. Um, Willie bam bam, Willie Willie bam bam, Willie bam 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 bam. <laughs> how how can you how can you argue with it once again? Uh, fantastic guy. I know he didn't get credit for the goal, but let's be honest, that shot led to it. You know, Andre Kasha. You know, probably probably up there too tonight. A couple other guys could be mentioned, but again, when when he's playing this hot, you know, it's going to take a lot of convincing for us not to give a star of the game to William Nylander. Well, yeah, two two primary assists. Either way you look at it, brings him to a point of game on the year. The man, we we said it in our preseason predictions. We said he is going to carry that play that he had through the playoffs into this season, and he is doing it. And it can only bode well for this team going forward. Now, another preseason prediction I had was that Andre Kasha would play 70-plus games. Looking pretty good at this point, but I said he'd get 45 points. Not looking as great, but he did add to that with a goal tonight, his third of the year, and that is why I am going to give him my star of the game because I'm paying cash money. Cash money never pay me, but your boy did it. He hasn't gotten a star of the game all year, and I just think he's he's played in a way that has deserved it. He was second on the team at five on five and expected goals with seventy percent. He had that game tying goal. I mean, what more can you say about him? Like for the for the. For having four points in fifteen games, I don't think you could expect much more from a guy. Like, just he's he's the he's having the best four point season so far that I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, exactly. And he's still an RFA next year, so that really could be one of the signings of the summer for any team. Um, 
But yeah, I, I fully agree with the Andre Kosh. It's nice uh, if that goal does stick with him and does stay with him. It's nice to see him finally getting some bounces because of everything we've already said. Like, don't need to go too crazy and repeating ourselves. But yeah, it's nice to see some bounces going in for him, and hopefully they start going in for his line mates too as well. And, you know, we can keep uh, keep rolling. Hopefully we get a nice dub tomorrow on Joseph Wall's debut in Buffalo. But, yeah, that's pretty much going to wrap things up here. Now, Sats, you got any final thoughts on tonight's game? I ain't got shit. Perfect. So we'll, uh, we'll move on then. And thank you guys very much for listening. Um, if you want to stay up to date on everything Buds All Day podcast or even just everything on Leafsland, uh, make sure to follow us at Buds All Day Cast on Twitter. And yeah, thank you guys very much for listening and uh, go Leafs go. What's up, mate?